Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, welcome to Journey Community Church. What an exciting, exciting day it's been. And I'm telling you, even as we were going through worship, worship was amazing today. That last song, it's called The Blessing. And I was thinking about a scripture in Psalms 37 where it says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging for bread. And I'm hoping and I'm praying and we as a staff are hoping and praying that you're not just surviving this time, but you're thriving in this time. And God's bringing up new things and new ways and new blessings in your life. So I just wanna grasp hold of that today and say that we're gonna claim that over our church. And as already been mentioned, we're gonna continue in the series called uh, on, From the Mount. And we're looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount and as Caleb's already mentioned, that today is a little bit more for mature audiences. Now we're gonna handle it with the dignity and, and we're gonna look at it, but it's scripture and Jesus is gonna deal with something and talk about one of the biggest temptations uh, and, and talk about some principles about how, uh, regardless of what our temptations are, regardless of what our struggle is, how we can get past them. He uses this concept of sex because I believe so many people have this sexual temptation as the strongest temptation or problem that they have. And I'm gonna tell you something, to be honest with you, living a pure life today is difficult, um, but it's always been difficult. And I know that we have movies and we have entertainment and TV and books and magazine and music. Everything is kind of leaning us down that one where you can't flip the stations or, 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 or go through an advertisement without seeing something sexual that leads your mind to another place. But it's always been like this. It goes back to, if you want to know the truth, it goes back to the garden. I don't know how much you remember about the garden. God put Adam and Eve in this perfect place where everything was beautiful, everything was amazing. There was no problems, there was no struggles. And then the serpent, the, the enemy came in and started telling them that there was another way that they could see light in a different way, that the, there was more out there than just what God was telling them about. And the certain serpent deceived them into eating that fruit. A lot of people say an apple. But I wanna kind of fast forward the story because God's looking for them in the garden after they eat this. And they knew something was wrong. And the Bible says that they hid from God. And it was the very first time in the course of history that those two people, that they realized that they were naked and they had to cover themselves. And so they took fig leaves and they covered themselves. And from that time, sexuality has had problems. Uh, temptation of that, uh, uh, you know, how we look at each other has changed. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I, I want to I make a blanket statement. If there's a sin that you struggle with day after day, day maybe it's not sexual, maybe it's not, that's not your temptation, but it's a, a sin that just seems to have your name on it. Jesus shows us from this sermon segment how to break that temptation in our lives. So I'm gonna go right into Matthew chapter five, verse 27, and we're gonna look at this. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Because that's from the very, very beginning, back to, the, back to the 10 commandments, back to the Old Testament, okay? But it says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman, remember we talked about the difference between religion and spirituality. One person thinks it's about the exteriors, the other one understands it's the inside. Jesus, remember this, he said a couple weeks ago when we looked at, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees. So he's saying, listen, scribes and Pharisees, you believe that if you don't commit adultery, you're fine. But he says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, he has already committed adultery, adultery with her in his heart. And if your right eye, listen to this, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members 
than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you would lose one of your members than that your whole body would go into hell. Well, what is he talking about? I think there's three things that we can extract from just those few verses to help us understand, regardless of what the temptation is, whether it's sexual, whether it's food, whether you know, it's a struggle with whatever, you know, alcohol, whatever it is, that there's three things that Jesus talks about right here that will help us. Here's the first thing. I think it's imperative that we understand that we have to stop looking at it. Whatever it is, we've got to stop looking at it. We need to do this. We need to, and I talked about doing a self-awareness test. I talked about a lot of problems that we have because we're not self-aware. We need to be self-aware enough to, to, to say, okay, the things that I'm looking at, the things that I'm allowing my eyes to see, are they good? Are they profitable? Are they pure? Are they holy? Are they leading me in a direction that God wants me? And if they're not, we need to stop looking. Let's, let's go back to Matthew 5, 27. This is what it says. You have heard that it was said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, I say to you that everyone, so just looking at the person, that, that right there, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. We have to understand what we're looking. What are we allowing our eyes to see? And are, will, are we willing to stop looking if, if we understand it's not what God wants us to do? Here's, here's, here's a, society, a societal message. And I, I believe that we've kind of been lulled to sleep in the believing that this is coming. Looking doesn't hurt anyone. That is, it's not a big problem. They just say, listen, just because you're on a diet doesn't mean you, you don't have to, you, you can't look at the menu. That looking, I've heard people literally say, that looking is normal. I had a counseling appointment years and years and years ago. And the person said, listen, I'm not, it's not hurting anybody, me looking at porn. Well, the, the ironic thing is five years later, because of the looking, it led to something much greater and much deeper. Jesus teaches something totally different about this concept of looking. He says, when you look at somebody lustfully, you're looking at them in a way that's bringing sin and destruction to your lives. Jesus teaches us the reasons why. Let me, let me tell you two things. The first thing is this. When we look at somebody lustfully, we are viewing that person as nothing more than an object for pleasure. That's it. We're looking at them as what they can do for me. We're looking at them, and it causes me to, to, to really put a value on that person. It's determined how good they make me feel. And here's the second thing. It's super dangerous. Thoughts always precede actions. Thinking about somebody paves the way for us to do something with that. And to break that stronghold, that sin, that sin, or any sin that has in our lives, we need to begin looking away. We need to be diverting our eyes to another position. Hey, here's this. Do y'all remember David, King David? Where did looking lead David? Think about that for a minute. When he was sitting there, as a matter of fact, let's read it. Second Samuel says it like this. It says, in the spring of the year, the time, and this is really good. And if you have an analog Bible or if you're taking notes, I want you to mark this down because this is really strong. The time when kings go out to battle, it says, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabath. But David remained in Jerusalem. And then it says this, and it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. And then he saw from a roof, a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. There's two things I want you to understand. You've got to get this. David was in a position when kings, when leaders of armies were out fighting battles, but David was left behind. David stayed behind. 
You know something? I don't believe we get ourselves in positions that are bad when we're in positions that we're supposed to be in. David was supposed to be out fighting a battle, but instead he stayed back. And so that very, that very situation in our lives, that we put ourselves in bad positions. We struggle with alcohol, but we still go to bars. We struggle with sexual stuff with our eyes, but we still go to the internet. I believe that's a, a dangerous place that, that we have to, got, we have, we've got to stop, look, we've got to push away from that. And the second part was, I don't know if you noticed it, it says he was on the couch. And I was reading that, and it was like a light bulb went off. He was comfortable. He was in a place of comfort. He was in a place that he felt like he was safe, that maybe he was beyond that sin ever impacting him. And they're, they're, they're two dangerous places to be. A place where we're in a spot or a position where we're not supposed to be, that we know that area is dangerous. And then when we get comfortable to the point where we think maybe we're invincible or we're untouchable. And then it says in verse three, and David sent and inquired about the woman and set himself up for failure here. All because he looked. And one said, is not that Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Verse four. So David sent messengers and took her and he, she came to him and he laid with her. And now she had been purifying herself from the uncleanness. And then she returned home. And it says this, and when the woman conceived and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Could you imagine that? All because he was looking. That's where everything in our lives starts. And I'm gonna tell you, listen, I'm a man, I get it. It is impossible to live in a world without provocative images but we don't have to stare. I have preachers and commentaries that I've read about David. It wasn't the initial look that was the sin, is that he kept looking, that he kept wandering and his eyes kept going down that place where Bathsheba was taking a bath. The Greek word for, for, for looking refers to a, uh, this concept of one who continues to look with deliberate intent. It's not a glance. It's not just, oh, I, I shouldn't have looked at that. Or it's not an incidental sight, like you, you accidentally saw something. The grammar, the grammar in this phrase or this concept is a present active participle, indicating a person that sees and continues to look, that the intention of repeat gazing, the purpose of which is to satisfy the evil desires of our heart. But I'm gonna tell you something. With God's help, with Jesus being on your side, you can look away. You can turn the channel. You can get up and leave the movie theater. You can put that magazine or book down and not read. You can divert your eyes to something else. You can look away. It's interesting because uh, for the last several months, uh, starting, um, I guess about eight, nine weeks ago, I started this intermittent fasting. And um, some people call it a diet. I don't think it's a diet, but like I would go and I would try to eat healthy when we would go to restaurants. So I would start eating lunch about two o'clock. And there was one day, uh, several of us from our office went over to um, French Market Grill. And, uh, and it's a great location. And they have, you know, one of the greatest uh, menus. And I just, I love everything that's on their menu. But I decided before I left here that I was gonna get a grilled chicken, it's a blackened grilled chicken salad. And I was gonna get it with a light dressing put on the top because I'm trying to watch, I'm trying to lose weight, I'm trying to do all that stuff. But then I get to the restaurant and the guy hands me the menu. And I start looking at the menu. And I start looking at all the, and then they tell me the specials. And I'm gonna tell you, I am a sucker, 
I am a sucker for their, their Alfredo, seafood Alfredo, whatever, with creamy stuff and pasta and, a salad and bread. And before you know it, I walked out of there not eating the salad. Here's the deal. Maybe we should stop looking at the menu. Maybe we really need to understand that this is the gateway to all their other stuff that's detrimental to our lives. And then it makes me think about this. First of all, we've, we've got to look away, but we've got to get rid of it. We, we, we've got to get it out of our lives. We, we, have to, we have to somehow or another remove those struggles, those problems. I love the way in verse 29 says, and it's kind of harsh, but we've got to understand the context of this. It says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And it says, if your right hand, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body would go to hell. Now, I want you to know something. Jesus is speaking figuratively. He is not literally saying, pluck your eye out, cut your arm off. See, because sin is not a matter of eyes and hands. Sin is a matter of our heart. Gouging our eye, cutting off our arm or our hand isn't gonna relinquish or replenish the soul. It's not gonna change our hearts. We've got to get rid of whatever the sin is. We've got to cut it out. I have a friend of mine that several weeks ago I had a conversation with. And it was one of those moments where I wish I didn't have the conversation because I kind of set my foot, put my foot in my mouth. But I asked him, I said, hey, listen, send me your email and I'll send you uh, one of the things that, that I read about is about the virus. I, I said, I'll send you something. He goes, um, I, don't have, I, don't have, I don't have email. And I kind of smarted off and I said, hey man, there's this brand new thing. It's called internet. I don't know if you've heard of it yet, but it's out there. And you know, Al Gore made it up and it's, it's, it's just flourishing. It's out. And he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't have internet because I have a porn issue. And I decided that I was, I was gonna get rid of it. I was gonna get rid of whatever was leading me to stumble and stray. He said, the bottom line is I don't, I don't trust myself. And I thought to myself, after I walked away, I said, this man has inconvenienced his entire life because he can't use the internet. It, it, he owns a business. It undoubtedly hurts his business. He can't bill people. Via, he's got to literally take hard copy bills or send them in the mail by snail mail. So it undoubtedly hurts his business. It prevents him from eating. He's got a, a several kids that are in college. It prevents him from emailing his kids. It prevents him from sending them a text. It, he misses out on all the good, the uplifting and helpful materials that are online, all the stuff that we just take for granted. He can't check, check football scores or baseball scores or see who's winning golf. He can't do any of that. He can't get Google customized directions to wherever he needs to go. He's got to use a paper map. He can't look at his bank accounts. He can't put, purchase a book. And here's one, we do it here at a church. We send out an invite to Right Now Media, which is kind of the Netflix for Christian Bible study. And I told him, here's a couple of Bible studies that may, may help me. He goes like, I can't get, he can't do any of that stuff. And what I've determined is he may be onto something. It may be better to sacrifice the convenience of something than the risk of getting trapped into that sin again. Let me say that again. It may, be, it may be better to sacrifice the inconvenience or the, the, the convenience of something than the risk getting trapped in that sin again. Whatever causes us to sin, what would happen if we cut it out? 
I know people that don't have cable. I know people that don't, don't do TV because they don't trust their ability to flip through the channels. I know people who will not listen to certain types of music because it leads them to a dark place. I know people who have terminated friendships and don't date because they don't trust themselves right now. Could you imagine that? I have a friend of mine that's, um, a, he was an alcoholic. Um, he's been sober now for, I don't know, eight or 10 years. And one of the things that he told me was the best thing he ever did was he moved from a county that was openly selling alcohol to a county that doesn't sell alcohol. And I thought, you know, all you gotta do is drive another 30 minutes. And he goes, you know something? The convenience of me not being able to, in the middle of the night, run down to a store and get something, get a beer or get some alcohol. He said, it's helped me overcome this battle. He had to cut it out. He literally had to move somewhere else. So, so let me ask a real honest question. Where are you struggling? What's that temptation? What's that, what's that one that has your name on it? That haunts you in the morning and before you go to sleep at night? The one that you battle throughout the course of the day? Maybe it's that one that you won't tell anybody, your accountability partners, your small group doesn't know, but, but, but you know. What does that look like? Let me throw out something. You may have to cancel Showtime or HBO or cable. You may have to pull the plug on the internet for a little while. Dare I say, you may need to stop dating if that's one of your temptations. You may need to stop dating. You may have to ask your boss, hey, I need a transfer because I need to get out of this situation right here. I need to get away from this. This is not leading me to a place that's honoring God. So we need to, we need to stop looking. It's number one. We need to cut it out. We need to get the things out of our lives, the temptations, the struggle. But here's the bottom line with all of this. We need to guard our hearts against it. We need to guard our hearts. Obviously getting rid of harmful things, influences, it'll change a corrupt heart, but it will not change it to a pure heart. Just as the outward act of adultery reflects a heart of being an adulteress, let me tell you what happens. The, out, the outward act of voluntarily forsaking whatever it is also shows, it reflects a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what I found out in my 30 years of being a believer that God honors that. See, I'm convinced of this one thing. Temptation is a matter of the heart, not our surroundings. To deal with temptation, we have to deal with our heart. Let me, let me tell you something. You can look away from temptation, avoid sinful situations, but you can't completely eliminate temptation because the desire to sin is the matter of the heart. So you can get rid of the internet, you can get rid of the TV, you can crash it, you can burn it, you can do whatever. If our hearts aren't pure, if we're not dealing with the matter of the heart, we're gonna be in the same position eventually, right where we're at again. David repents, right? David, King David repents. He commits, uh, committed the sin of adultery, he committed the sin of murder when he king, uh, killed Uriah. But he, but he wrote this prayer out. It's one of the most powerful prayers in the Bible, and there's one segment of it that every time I read it, and it's Psalms 51, verse 10, it simply says this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. See, in order for us to break the strongholds of sin, we have to change. We have to have a change of heart. We have to have a change of mind. We have to have a change of direction. And ultimately what God will do is he'll give us a change of our outcome. So when we get our heart right, we get our mind right, we change our direction, we're looking different things, God changes 
our outcome. But we've got to deal with the matter of the heart. I've shared several times over the last um, couple weeks and months that back in August, me and my wife moved out to the country. And it's not super far out in the country, but it's far enough. And we have a little acreage. We have just under three acres. And it's, it's, it's amazing. But one of the acres, they cleared off to put a house. It's a 40-year-old house that we had a company uh, renovate for us. And around that house, we put grass and there's, there's some trees, and, but, but it's mostly just grass and, and it's been cleared off. But, but two acres of our lot, we don't know when, but we can see the remnants. There's these huge stumps all throughout the two acres. So you can walk out there and you'll see these two stumps, but there's trees that are 30, 30 40 feet, 50 feet high. And what I've noticed, because now the trees have kind of rejuvenated and they're, and they're growing and they're building and you know, they're doing all the stuff they do. But somewhere along the line, somebody clear cut that. And I started asking a friend of mine some questions. And he said, this is all volunteer stuff. And what do you mean volunteer? It's, he said, it's just stuff, stuff that comes up because they never killed it. They never took care of the tree at the root. Wow, that sounds a lot like sin and temptation, doesn't it? We wonder why we have this forest that keeps growing in our lives, why the trees keep growing in our lives, why the sin and the temptation keep coming up in our lives. It's because we've never dealt with, we've never dealt with the heart or the root of the matter. Psalms 51, the same prayer that David prays in verse six, says, behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom and secret, in the secret heart. Well, let me tell you some truth. If we don't deal with it, it will deal with us. If at some point in our lives, it will destroy us because that's what sin does. Jesus said this, we read this a few weeks ago. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. You, you may remember what I said about that. The word pure literally means purged. Your heart may not be right right now, but we can purge it. God can purge it. God can come in and change your circumstances. Your heart may not be pure right now, but there can be a day because God's doing something supernaturally that your heart can become pure and that dating won't be a problem anymore. There can be a day. It may not be right now, but there can be a day that God can do something with your heart and make it pure again, that you can surf the internet and not have the fear going off in a direction that you know is not profitable for you, your family, your spouse, whatever. Your heart may not be pure right this very second. But one day you'll be able to work with people of the opposite sex and not think of them as an object because of what God wants to do. And if there's a sin that has a grip on your life, let me tell you, you can be free. You can be free because of the power of God Romans chapter six says it like this, for sin will have no dominion. I love that, no dominion. It'll have no rule over you. It's not, it's not the thing that keeps you awake at night and wakes you up in the morning. It's the sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under the law, but you're under grace. You are a brand new creation. Second Corinthians says, you're a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So what is we're gonna do? We're gonna stop looking at it. We're gonna get rid of it and we're gonna guard against it infecting our hearts. Now, last week, I don't know if you remember this, last week we had some really strong, severe storms 
come through our area. It's interesting um, because I was watching the news and I'm telling you, it was crazy. They were, they were predicting hail and tornadoes and it was just gonna be absolutely nuts. 3.30, four o'clock in the morning, I'm getting text messages from some of my best friends. Are you okay up there in Appling? They say, they say it's coming. It's gonna come right across Pollard's Corner, right, right, you know, right down the road from where we live. We had an amazing light display. Thank God there was only like one tree down. There was no fatalities, but other areas weren't that lucky. I mean, Mississippi got hit really, really hard. Well, the next morning I'm getting ready to come into work and I'm watching the TV and it's a newscast and they're showing video. And one of the videos they're showing, and by the way, I said this to my wife and, and, and she kind of laughed at me, but it was like, you know, if anybody from the North is watching anything that goes on with tornadoes in the South, they think everybody lives in, I don't even know if this is the politically correct term, that everybody lives in a mobile home because that's the only people that they ever interview when it comes to a tragedy or a struggle like that. So I was watching all these houses were being destroyed, but I noticed something. And I asked, I said, Gina, did you know, look, look at that part of the road, Part of the road, one side of the road, all the houses were destroyed. Every, every house was knocked down. On the other side of the road, the, the, the exact other side, I mean, literally one little road over, like one little, like one lane, all the houses were standing. So they interviewed about the travesty and how it sounded like, you know, a, a train coming through and they, they come to the interview and these, these are nice houses, a couple hundred thousand dollar houses. They come to this point and they, they, they focus on this one guy. And the guy says, why, the, the, the guy's asked, why, why is your house, why are these houses still standing? He said, across the streets, one county, this side is another county. And he says, we have different codes. We have building codes that make sure that we build with the best materials, that we put the best stuff up, that we, we put our, our rafters at 16 inch centers, not 24 inch centers. They have people that come while the builders are building to inspect every little thing. And that our houses are built on a firm foundation. They wait for them, they call it tamping. They tamp the, they tamp the dirt and they don't let it settle. And they, they, they won't build on that until the, that, that dirt settled to a certain point. All because they built on the right thing. I walked away from watching that newscast and I thought, that's our lives. And maybe you feel like you're on the other side of the road all the destruction, every storm, every tornado, every sin, every temptation that comes through knocks your house down. I want, you, I want you to know this. You can live on the other side of the road. It's by asking Christ to do what Christ can do, what he died on the cross to do. See, that's the, that's the good news of the gospel. It isn't just that we have a fire escape that we get to go to heaven. It's that here on this side of earth that we can have victory and success. I believe there's a couple different groups of people today. I believe there's a group of people that battle temptation after temptation after temptation. And I want you to know today is your day of freedom. Act like David. The Bible says, and it calls it repenting. It means turning away from your sin. It's the same thing we've talked about. You look away from it, you cut it out and you guard it. That's you today. I'm going to lead all of us into prayer, but I want you to have a conversation with God in a few minutes. And I think there's another group, and that's a group of us that can celebrate because we lived in a spot at one point in our lives where every storm, every tragedy, every temptation, every sin destroyed everything. But now we're over here. 
And not that we're immune to problems or struggles because we're not, but it's there, but the grace of God that we can stand firm. And so what we're gonna do in a minute is we're gonna respond to what we've heard today. We're gonna respond to the worship, the blessing song. We're gonna respond to a song that we're gonna do right now. And we may respond in different ways. For some, it may be just a quiet moment where you're just having a conversation with God. And maybe you're just saying, God, I'm sorry. I need need your help to cut it out. I, I need to stop looking at that. God, I need to put parameters. I need boundaries. I need guardrails around my life. Help me, God. And for others, it's a time where we can just thank you, Jesus. Thank you for everything that you've done for me. Let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, see, this is the difference between being religious and being righteous. Religious, we would just say, you know something, I'm just not gonna have an affair. But being righteous, being in right standings with you, those other things matter. What I look at, what I allow my mind to meditate on, what I allow my heart to covet. I pray right now, God, as many of us are praying, God, help me with those struggles. Help me with those temptations. Help me with that, that problem, that, that sin that keeps creeping up that has my name on it. God, I also have a part of me that's praying and saying thank you for the things that you've brought me out of. God, I am thankful I'm not what I used to be, but I'm also thankful that I'm not yet what I'm going to be. That I will continue to be made right in your eyes through your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, who gives me life everlasting. Thank you, God, that you help us with these struggles and problems. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.